I'm not used to saying that. I don't know that I've preached at nighttime for a long time now. Uh, be turning to the Gospel according to John, chapter 20. The Gospel according to John, chapter 20. But before I actually begin my message, I have something here. I want to read to you by Robert Hawker. Of course, he was what they would call a priest in the Church of England, but he was a gospel preacher. But he wrote these words. Now, this is only a portion of what he wrote, but his subject was when our Lord Jesus Christ said, If these keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And God's able to take even of these stones and rise up unto God, children of Abraham. But here's what he wrote. I want you to think about this. This is, to me, it's astounding. But here, as in a thousand instances, God's ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts our thoughts. To glorify his dear son, the soul though polluted and defiled, shall be made infinitely more precious by redemption than it was by creation when unpolluted. Beautiful as it was before it fell, yet it is vastly more beautiful now when washed in the Redeemer's blood. Had it continued, that is the soul, had it continued in its uprightness, it would have been but the uprightness of the creature, still liable to fall at any time from its integrity as Adam did. But now, united to Christ, the righteousness and purity of the redeemed is the righteousness and holiness of the Redeemer. And that cannot possibly be lost or forfeited anymore. I could listen to a priest who preached like that. <laughs> One other thing. My dear wife sent me this. <clears throat> it's been, I, it's probably, well, it was definitely last week, of course. This is Tuesday. But she sent this to me. And I read over it and I thought, man, that's, that's good. The title of it is Unity. It's by Henry Mayhem. Henry wrote these words. Let us not set ourselves up as critics and judges of the conduct and lives of other believers. Let us not spend our time finding fault with one another, picking out weaknesses and exaggerating differences of opinion and practice. Rather, let us spend our time endeavoring to help one another and to avoid doing and saying things that may cause others to stumble we can do this by making our fellowship to be in Christ not in form and traditions by loving one another in spite of differences and by avoiding collisions on points wherein we differ I am not suggesting for a moment that we compromise the gospel or the fundamentals of our faith but as there are, there are no two snowflakes alike there are no two people exactly like. Therefore, the foundation of our fellowship is our love for Christ and our love for one another, not perfect agreement on every point. Now, listen to this. This is what really caught my attention. 
So simple but so profound. The fact of the matter is that I do not agree or approve of all that I do think or say. Ever think about it that way? Hmm? Yeah. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. By God's grace I intend to love and encourage every believer in Christ, our sovereign Lord. I shall endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit of God in the bond of peace for the glory of our Lord and the well-being of His church and the witness of the gospel. It's good to have a wife that sends you stuff like that. <laughs> it's good. All right, are you all at John 20? John chapter 20. Pardon me. Now... <clears throat> Let me say this is going to be a little different. I'm not going to have one passage to read as kind of a starting place. What I want to try to do tonight is this, and, and maybe this will be a little more like a, a Bible lesson than it will be a preaching message, but I just have to be honest with you, even after 40 years of preaching, I still don't know if I know the difference. Because if when you're preaching, you're not teaching, you're not saying anything. Usually it's just yelling when they're doing preaching and no teaching. And when you're teaching, if you're not proclaiming Christ, you're, whatever you're teaching isn't worth being taught. Now let's consider, I'm going to preach on the whole book of John. Well, nobody's leaving yet, so this is not, you're not too scared, are you? I'm not going to read the whole, chat, the whole book, of course. The Gospel according to John. Now let's consider... Those references where John pins down our master's words. Our Lord uttered these words. I didn't count them all up. That in itself is not the point. Our Lord utters, utters these, uttered these words and John recorded a bunch of them. He's, here's the two words. I am. I am. Now, I'm going to start by quoting a few of these with very little elaboration on them. I may make a statement here or there about them. Because I want to, I want to get somewhere. There are five that I want us to concentrate on. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these five are more important than the others. I'm certainly not saying that these five are important and the others are not. But when I begin to study this thought, this phrase, I am, these, those five stood out. They, in my mind, they stood out. But think about this. Now, this is, that's my title. This is my subject. I am. In John 5, verse 43, you don't have to turn to these. We're going to move quickly. In John 5, 43, John wrote down this. Our Lord said these words, I am come in my Father's name. In chapter 6, verse 35, our Lord said this, I am the bread of life. In John 6, 41, our Lord is recorded as saying, and I, I am the bread which came down from heaven. In chapter 6, verse 48, he said these words, I am the bread of life. In John 6, 51, he says, I am the living bread. In John 7, 29, he said this, I am from him, him. 
referencing God the Father. In chapter 8, verse 12, John records our Lord saying these words, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 16, our Lord is recorded as saying this, I am not alone. In John 8, verse 18, a lot of I am's in that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't have all this. In 8.16, I am not alone. 8.18, I am one that beareth witness of myself. In chapter 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. In chapter 9, verse 39, I am come into the world. In chapter 10, verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. We're just started. Chapter 10, verses 9 and 11, he says, I am the door. I am come that they might have life. I am the good shepherd. Chapter 10, same chapter, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Again, chapter 10, verse 36. I am the son of God. In chapter 11, verse 21. I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 12, verse 46. I am come a light into the world. In chapter 13, verse 13. I am master and Lord. Chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, I am in the Father. Chapter 14, verse 20, I am in my Father. Chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. Chapter 15, same, same message, I am the vine. Chapter 16, verse 32, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Chapter 17, verse 10, what is called the, our Lord's high priestly prayer, I am glorified in mine. Oh, how I'd love to stop and ponder on that for a while. I am glorified in mine. Same prayer of our Lord, chapter 17, verse 11, I am no more in the world. That's an astounding thing when he was in the garden against him. No more in the world. Chapter 17, verses 14 and 16. He, raises, he says these, this phrase twice. Once in 14, once in 16. I am not of the world. Chapter 18, verse 37. He said to Pilate, Thou sayest that I am a king. Chapter 20, verse 17. He said these words. I am not yet ascended to my father. Rex, back up there, Billy, don't you ought to consider the massive, profound gospel truth that's just in those I ams. Billy, you could preach on that for months, if not years, and never exhaust the subject just of those. Just of those. It's no wonder, you're in chapter 20, right? It's no wonder that our, our brother John, the Apostle John, wrote these words. John 20, and look at verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So I kind of figured there, there may have been hundreds of more I am's, Bill. May have been hundreds more. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing he might have life through his name. And also, not only that, but look at that saying, or chapter 21 and verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. 
the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. So be it. Amen. But as I've already mentioned, these are not all of the I am's John recorded. Turn to John chapter 8. All of this is going to be in John till I'm about ready to wind this thing down tonight. John chapter 8. Go to the last, just the last part of the chapter. And I'm going to make a statement. We'll read God's holy word. I'll make a few more statements. We'll move along. We've got, we got five more I am's to look at. This I am we're going to look out here look at here. This I am is Christ himself hammering home his absolute deity. Deity. The free willer, the man-centered free willer believes that Jesus is God. But he or she does not believe that God is God. You know what I'm saying? They believe Jesus is God, but to them that's just a phrase. He's some kind of extraordinary being. No, he is God in act and fact, as well as God in name. He does as he pleases among the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Look at what our Lord said. Uh, you read John 8. Well, look at verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Our brother Abraham knew far more about Christ than what all these free willers are talking about today. And look what he said. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? But notice how they turn this right around. He's talking about Abraham seeing him. They want to talk about him seeing Abraham. Because Abraham was far more important to them than the very God of all glory. Deity himself was standing and talking to them. And they were more concerned with Abraham than they were with him. Now you're talking about human depravity. But look, has thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now I want you to notice, some of these others will see I am he, but you'll notice that the he will be italicized in all of them. Here, the translators got it exactly right. Before Abraham was, I am. He's declaring himself to be that same person that Moses spoke with. And he said, but when I go down to deliver the children of Israel, who shall I say sent me? And you, he's the, the Lord God Almighty, the absolute sovereign of heaven and earth. He said, you tell him I am sent me. Hmm? Before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was saying. Look. Then, 
took they up stones to cast at him. <laughs> See that? They do what he's saying. But they couldn't love him for it. They couldn't love him in it. They couldn't love him because of it. The very thing that should have been, or rather more importantly, the very person that should have been at the forefront. Here he is. Here's God manifest in the flesh. And they're ready to kill him with rocks. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, when it says hid, it doesn't mean he ran over here behind the piano. It means I am made it impossible for them to see him as he was simply walking straight out the door. Mark, that's a I am. Here's one who has the right to reveal himself to people that he knows will not believe him. And then he has the right to hide himself from them. That's the first I am. Here's another one. Turn to John 8. Still in chapter 8, but turn back probably a page or so. John 8. We're still in John 8. Now another I am that our Lord said, he called himself that another I am resounds that Christ's redemptive sacrifice proves his covenant obedience to the Father's instruction. Look at John 8 verse 28. John 8 verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am. You see it now? You see the he is it and tells us. It doesn't totally ruin the context. Don't misunderstand me, but it can obscure what's really being said, what our Lord really meant. He said, Ye shall know that I am. You see it? I am. I believe we could perfectly put it this way. I am God Almighty. Then shall you know that I am. And look, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me. Somebody says, explain that preacher can't do it and don't have to. I cannot explain how he was both God and man at the same time in one person. But he was and still is. As the Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. What an astounding thing for a man to say. And yet he is the only man that's ever been able to honestly say that. Even our daddy Adam could not say that after the fall. Here's the third. I am. There is, turn to, we're still in Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Romans. John chapter 8. So just hang tight in John chapter 8. Here's this third I am. There is an, an I am where Christ must be believed as I am, as absolutely essential. Look at verse 24 of John 8. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your 
sins. That sounds quite serious to me. Doesn't it to you? Sounds quite serious. That ye shall die in your sins. And here's the reason why. Forward, you see it? <coughs> and here's the reason why. For if you believe not that I am. Do you see that? Now here, be careful with that he. Because it ain't just believing I am he. It's if you don't believe that I am. That he is that very same one Moses spoke to during the Old Testament era. The one that handed forth the Ten Commandments. Whose finger. Well, I, mean, I thought God was a spirit. Even the pre-incarnate Christ. I can't explain it. Showed up before Moses. Here's these two tablets of stone. And Jesus Christ starts etching his law in those tablets. Moses, remember Moses one time said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord told him, so you go over there and get in that cleft of the rock, that little chasm right there in that rock. And you turn your face outward, because here it is, back behind you, and I'll put my hand over you. Now you're looking out. You don't look back in the, back in the chasm. You look out. And he said, when I pass by you, you won't get to see my what? F-A-C-E. But as my face goes by, I will remove my hand. And you can see my hinder parts. That's who Jesus Christ is. You see it? And if I do not believe that he is, I am, I shall die in my sins. And you too. You too. Again, I say, someone may be listening later, listening now on live stream, maybe listening to this message years from now in some other venue. Now, I've done mention it, but I want to hammer this home. It's not enough just to say the words, I believe Jesus is God. You have to know who God is. He has to reveal himself to you as he is. And then and then only will you truly believe that Jesus Christ is God. Hmm. Here's number four. Turn to chapter John 13. Remember this is all in John. Turn to John 13. I'm not going to tell you the verses yet. I don't want you jumping ahead of me. This is important now. I told you that some of these stood out at me. There's one I am, this, this fourth I am, enforces the necessity of God's ordained means. Look at chapter 13 and what John records our Lord as saying in verse 19 and 20. Now I tell you, before it come... That when it come to pass, ye may believe that what I am. You see, now the he's there, but remember, you can scratch that out, you're doing no disservice to the word of God at all. Ye may believe that I am. Why? Because if I don't, I'll perish in my sins. But then look, truly, truly, verily, verily I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. Preacher, you're just a man. 
You're bragging on me too much. I'm a fallen man. I'm a sinful, evil, corrupt man. There are times when I sometimes think that me and who I am down in here would put my brother Lot to shame. And I am not being melodramatic. Billy, I don't always see that. But every now and then when God gives me a little glimpse again of who I really am, I want to go hide in shame. And I, I don't even have to do anything out here. I'm just reminded of what I am in here. And I know most people, when you talk about the flesh, the old nature, they think of immorality. Right? Religion can be hateful toward God. Religion, moral religion, is a stench in God's nostrils apart from the truth of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. Do you see that? And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. That's, that's the only reason. It pleased God. God was pleased and is still being pleased in sending one sinner to other sinners with the message about a sinner's Savior. He's not going to send you or me an angel from heaven. Mm -mm. He's not going to send you some glorified saint who comes back to earth and says, here's what it's all really about. You remember the rich man when he lifted up his eyes in hell? Hmm? Father Abraham, send, send Lazarus back. Send somebody back from the dead. Warn my brothers not to come to this place. And you know what Father Abraham told him? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Is he being harsh? No, because it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Hmm. Oh, God, help us, my brothers and sisters, to never disdain God's word. Yes, I am nothing but a man, a fallen man, but God's ordained it this way. And I'm happy for that. I'm happy for that. I had a old man. Now, I wouldn't have said that while he was alive. He may have given me a what for. But I had an old man. He was, he was already well above retirement age. I was 22, 23 years old and wet behind the ears. And that old man let me step right in the podium with him every Sunday. Shelby, I don't know how many times Earl Cochran had probably grit you'll bite his tongue. He didn't always bite his toes. Sometimes after the message, he comes and says, Now, let's talk about something, Walter. <laughs> Don't despise those God sins. Don't use their faults as an excuse to abandon God's ordained means. You will be, I will be, if I do that, the one who suffers for it. 
Number five. This is our last I am. Number five. Turn to chapter 18, John 18. We're pretty good on time. We'll get out of here before daylight. Here's our last I am. Now, but do you see, now if there's some of these other I am's, we could have went through them. They're glorious. Masterpieces from the master's own tongue. I am the light of the world. That says volumes. Because if he wasn't, we would not be here tonight. If he was just the light of a few elect Jews, it would have ended years ago. But anyway, do you get a little glimpse of how some of these five I am's build their marvelous? Marvelous. This last I am. This I am hits home to all God's beloved ones. Now let's read it. Chapter 18, and we'll just start reading here in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, brook Cedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Think of it, here's Judas. He had been there with Jesus over and over and over and over. And now he's got a bag in his pockets, jingling. Huh? Yeah, he's got a bag in his pockets, it's jingling. Now, they don't say that here. I understand that. But you know what I'm talking about? He sold our Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. Look, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and... What? Weapons. Weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth. They didn't find him. He found them. Do you see that? I've always, until I started really reading this, because usually I read it, read kind of right on by, you know. Oh, I know that story. I was taught that in Sunday school. And I kind of you know, always envisioned Christ there. He's praying. And all of a sudden, here Judas shows up. Mm -mm. He went out to meet him. <laughs> he instigated this thing. Yeah. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. Do you see that? Now I'm sure this. His voice, the sound of it, the, the way, you know, you just if, if you know somebody real well, you don't even have to see them. You hear their voice. I know who that is. His voice didn't change, but he said this now in a different way. He said, I am. He didn't say I am he. He said, I am. Hmm. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am, 
They went backward and fell to the ground. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I almost, I, I can imagine like dominoes. I am. They all go down. And my brothers and sisters, don't you think it's time that when you are enabled to stand back up, don't you think it's time to ski that alone out of there? <laughs> hmm? Not if you're dead in trespasses and sins. You just experienced a personal flooring to the ground by I am. And you'll stand right back up in rebellion against God. That's how bad we are by nature. <laughs> That's how bad I am by nature. But look at what's look at what happens. And as soon then he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again. Now wasn't this a great time for a getaway? They're all laid out. But there is no getaway needed here. Our souls depend on this. My eternal soul depended on him standing right there. And now he doesn't floor him with another I am. They have just experienced God Almighty manifest in the flesh and still don't recognize him. Then he asked them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is astounding. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. This, I, I, don't, I wish I had the, the wisdom, the words to, to, to define this. The, the way he said it wasn't some booming voice out of him. He just said, I am. But when he said it that one time, he said it with it. I'm going to knock these people to the ground. I am going to personally manifest to them and in them who I really am. And all he did was say, I am. But they stand right back up. Hmm? But look at this. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore ye seek me. Do you see that next line? If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. And you notice there is no question mark after that. He wasn't asking. He was commanding it so. Take me. You can't have them. They had weapons. They had weapons. Christ kept them with, from taking and using those weapons against him and against the eleven. If you take me, you cannot have them. That's what he's basically saying. Aren't you glad that's what he did but he died on that tree? Hmm? God the Father, take me. Now I know he didn't have to say it this way. I understand that. But just so we can try to grasp our puny little brains around it. Father... Take me. But when you do, you can't take them. Punish me. But you can't punish them. And he did it as I am. Turn to Isaiah 53. I know this is familiar. Isaiah 53. 
It is so sad. I know sometimes when I get pre- I preach, sometimes I, I sound angry. And you know why that is? Because I am. This world, these preachers out here, they lie on God. And it may sound like God loves everybody and God's trying to save everybody. That may sound far more loving than Jesus Christ died to save the elect. It may sound that way. But it is not more loving. Because if God left it up to me, I'd perish. I'd perish. When God finally opens your eyes to see that if Christ died for me, if He died for me, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can... I can, I can look at myself in the mirror every morning. I can do that, Bill. Mm. Listen to what Isaiah wrote in just a couple verses, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That is, speaking of, I can say, the God the Father and God the Son. It pleased God the Father to bruise God the Son. But this please does not mean God the Father sat up in heaven and laughed while His Son died. It's not that kind of ha-ha pleasure. It is satisfaction. Satisfaction. He was pleased. Yet it pleased the Lord, look at it, to bruise Him. And that word bruise, you've done this. Bump a piece of light skin or something up against something, you get this little blood spot. And it dries up and you got that bruise. This means to C-R-U-S-H. Crush. That's the original word bruise is because you have crushed the blood vessels. You see it? Yet it pleased God the Father to crush him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make, look at it, his soul. It's and I don't want to belittle that, but I, religion makes everything about what he suffered out here. Hands, thorn, side, feet, pummeled to you where you couldn't even recognize them. I don't want to be there, do you? But God the Father, when he hung on that tree, turned his back on the Son. He made his soul an offering for sin. He experienced it down inside himself. So much real was the transfer of my sin and guilt to him that he called them his very own. He cried out on that tree, my sin is ever before me. Well, his sin wasn't his own. It was mine put in him. The marvelous Majestic, sweet, sovereign Son of God bore my sins in His own body on the tree. I don't bear them anymore. They're still in here, but I don't bear them anymore. Now look at it. 
when he make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall what? Prosper in his hand. Now, if Jesus Christ died to save everybody, bless God, everybody's going to be saved. And it's just that simple. But we know this book clearly teaches not everybody's going to be saved. Look. He shall see, that is God the Father, shall see the travail of God the Son's soul and shall be what? What? Satisfied. Now, if you're satisfied, you're what? Now, either, bless God, you're satisfied or you're not. You see, God is not God sometimes or he would be no God at all. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? What is the foundation of that? Listen to me now. Don't misunderstand me, but listen to me. It's not faith. Though faith is absolutely essential. It's not repentance. Though repentance is absolutely essential. What's the foundation of this justification? He shall, you see, my righteous servant, by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And he did that how many times, my brothers and sisters? That's why he cried while he was hanging there. It is Finished. You know what's amazing about that word? They say in some old Greek, you know, paperwork, old legal Greek paperwork, and, and even from back in our Lord's time, when He sojourned here on this earth in the flesh, that if you had a bank note and you had paid off that whole note, you know what they stamped on it? It is finished. Paid in full. That's what we would say today. To Telestai, paid in full. Now, folks, I don't know how you think about this thing, but I always thought paid in full means what? Paid in full. <laughs> I don't, now pardon my bad mountain, I don't know squat. Christ paid it all. I'm free. God the Father took him. I get to go free. Somebody says, well, I, I don't know about that. I do. I do. Heavenly Father, Lord, comfort us with your truth. Strengthen us. Lord, we know we got difficulties and troubles ahead, but we know that by your own sovereign purpose and your majesty and your power that all things work together for those that, to those that love God, to those that are called according to your purpose, oh God, strengthen us in that. In Christ's name, amen.